0: If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us at connectedtojesus.org or check us out on Facebook at Cross Connection Church Houston. We pray that this teaching would grow you in the grace and love of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, Merry Christmas Eve. I'm so glad to be here with all of you guys and with our family and uh, we're just glad that you were able to make you know, part of your Christmas celebration uh, centered around the Word of God. And that's really what we need to do this evening as Christmas in many people's minds is a lot of different things. But really what Christmas is about is Jesus Christ. And that's who we're going to read about and we're going to talk about and we're going to spend our evening learning about tonight. And so if you have a Bible uh, if you could open it up to Luke chapter two, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter two in the New Testament. One of the th- songs that we sang this evening was "O Holy Night," and um, I love that song. In fact, we—I've heard it at every time I needed to hear it this Christmas vacation. In fact, uh, it was playing on the way over here tonight, and there's a line in Old Holy Night that I love. You know, actually, just that those first two stanzas, it says, long lay the world in sin and ever pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. It goes on, it says, a thrill of hope, and I love this phrase, the weary world rejoices. And I think that if there is a word that describes our world in 2020, it's a weary world. You know, this year has been with coronavirus and all the different things that have come at us a year filled with disease and death, hurt, and heartbreak. And so I think that we can really identify with that Christmas song that, that we are, in fact, a weary world. But even though we are a weary world, there's so much to rejoice about. There's so much to be excited about because the story of Jesus Christ, his birth and his life and the things that he did here, it eclipses everything that has hurt us and disappointed us and has let us down and has even inspired fear. Jesus Christ is bigger than all of those things. The truth is, our, our fellow men are hurting this Christmas season. The truth is, a lot of people aren't sure. You know, if, if Christmas has only been about for them, Santa and presents and the Grinch, well, Christmas has no special power. There's no special place for the message of Jesus Christ for those The good news is that you know we are gathered here today. We're gathered around the story that we find in the Bible. It's a story that's been told for literally thousands of years. And I believe that the, the Christmas story is a story that has given hope to generations and will give us hope tonight as well. In fact, Christmas is a story for the weary, it is a story for those who have been hurt, and it is something that can fill all of us. This evening with, with joy. In Luke chapter two, we read those the story that's familiar to a lot of us. It it tells us that there were challenges in their days as well. It says in Luke chapter two, verse one: "In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be registered." This was from the uh, this was the first registration when Quirinius, the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own home. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And so we are open our story at a time when Israel, well, they were not free. We open our story at a time when the nation of Israel was conquered They didn't really have the freedom to live their lives and to practice their faith the way God had called them to. In fact, there was a man that many of you know in charge, a man named Herod. And you know, this was a man that though he was physically rebuilding the temple, Herod didn't really believe in God. He didn't trust God. We learned just last Sunday that, that Herod was a murderer, that To be related to Herod was to have your life in danger. In fact, he killed relatives that threatened him. This was the man that the Jewish people had ruling over them. And this man was really no more than a puppet of the Roman Empire. Though Caesar was rebuilding the temple, a place intended to worship God, Herod also put money toward rebuilding pagan buildings as well. For Herod, it seemed that it was all about the outside, just just the, the style, but not the substance. The Jews, no doubt, would have been yearning for a real leader who would bring real change, but they didn't even have the freedom to live their lives according to what the Word of God called them to. It says here that there's this man who lived thousands of miles away, Caesar Augustus, and that he had an order, he'd asked all the people to be registered. There was a census that was being taken. And here we see this Caesar Augustus, that his word and his orders from 2,000 miles away were influencing the things that Joseph and Mary would do. And so it says that Joseph in obedience to the laws of the government at the time it says that he went up and he made that trip from his town of Naz- Nazareth to Judea to this city this obscure town called Bethlehem. And this is kind of interesting that you know we see the story of Joseph and we see the story of Mary And I wonder what they were thinking when this order came, this order that called them to leave their homes and to go all the way on this journey at the worst possible time. It was a journey at the final moments of Mary's pregnancy. And I wonder as they made this trip, they would have passed Jerusalem on the way to, uh, as they uh, passed through Jerusalem, they would have gone to Bethlehem. And they would have seen the temple and I wonder if they would have been asking themselves how long until God moves and how long until God saves. You know, people have pointed out that from the end of the Old Testament to the start of the New Testament, there's something like 400 years of what people have said is prophetic silence. That for 400 years, the the people of Israel had been clinging to the promises and the Word of God and maybe they felt Maybe they were unsure. Maybe they weren't really convinced that God remembered them or God heard them or God knew the pain and the hurt that they were experiencing. There was 400 years of waiting and 400 years of people putting their hope in the promises they had once heard. And so here we have Joseph and Mary, an order given by a man thousands of miles away, that would require them to leave the comfort of where they were to go in this this not, not not the best time to travel maybe they felt powerless that they had to do something because of some some ridiculous law that didn't make sense but they were really powerless to change that i mean joseph's a carpenter mary's likely a teenager. This is not really the biography of people that are going to topple empires or ruin the reign of King Herod. I mean, these are two people that trusted in God's promises. They believed in the word of God, but maybe they felt absolutely powerless to do anything about it. And so here we see Joseph just really responding to what his, what his family's been called to do, to, to make this move. And it says that he is going to Bethlehem, to this city of David, this this Bethlehem. And it says something really interesting at the end of verse four. It says that he was of the house and he was of the lineage of David. And really on the outside, no one's going to look at Joseph and say, wow, Joseph, you're a, you're a carpenter. Man, you know, you are one of the most important people. I mean, there's Two men mentioned, uh, or there's there's two men here that we can think about. There's Caesar Augustus, this all-powerful man that the entire Roman Empire listens to him. And then we're introduced to this other man named Joseph, and he's a carpenter, and he just is so powerless. He has to just go to this town to be registered. And you might not think that Joseph is this important character, but it tells us something important about about Joseph, it says that he's of the house and of the lineage of David. And for anyone who's spent any time reading the New Testament, you would know that it's from Bethlehem that King David was from. And if you've ever read the Bible, you know that there's been a promise that there's a future king who's gonna come. And the Bible even tells us in in Micah, it says that that even though Bethlehem is considered the least of many, like people think about, Bethlehem, and they think, oh, okay, that's just a small town, nothing big, nothing important. The Bible has a promise saying that the future king, the king of kings, the Messiah, would come from this obscure place. And, and that's who Joseph is. He's of the right lineage. He's of the right family. He's going to the right town. It says that he didn't go to this trip on his own. In fact, it says that he was with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And it says in verse six, while they were there, the time came. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And really the time came in two different ways. I mean, the time came for her. I mean, it was was time, nine months, you know, the pregnancy. that, That was the moment the water broke. The baby was coming. There was no turning back. But in a bigger way, as they walked into, as they rode into Jerusalem, another time came. It was the time that God, you know, he'd been waiting for 400 years to act in a way that people would, would be able to take note or people would be able to observe or people able to see this is clearly God moving. The time came, Jesus was to be born. And the time came not just for Mary to deliver, but God, the time came for God, Jesus Christ to enter into human history in a way that would change lives forever that time came. I love that expression. And, and it really just speaks to how God, he didn't spare anything. I mean, he isn't this passive observer looking at our problems up in heaven and saying, wow, it looks tough down there. The Bible says that Jesus came. He, he entered into this world to live among us, to see the things that we see, to hurt the way that we hurt. Jesus came. It says in verse 7 that she gave birth to her firstborn son. And and what did she do? Well, she wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger. There was no place for them in the inn. So we have Mary and Joseph. You know what they're doing? Joseph, he's just being a father. He's being a protector and being a provider. He knows there's this law and he's going to make sure that his wife is taken care of. He's not going to leave her unattended and uncared for. He's going to make sure that she's right by his side. Joseph, even if there's a law that he can't change, he's going to be a faithful father. And what's Mary going to do? Well, she's going to love her little one. She's going to love her little one no matter if the circumstances are not ideal. I mean, really to lay your baby in a manger where animals feed. Well, that's who Mary and Joseph are. They're really just making the best of the situation in front of them. And we've seen in other stories that the character of Joseph and Mary is a character formed by their faith in a God that's bigger than their circumstances. But here they are, not probably fully understanding about the bigger picture, not fully understanding that this Caesar Augustus, this man that they would never meet, this man who lived thousands of miles away was actually just an unknowing agent of God's will. I mean, Caesar Augustus would have no idea that his command and his order would require them to come to Bethlehem and fulfill scripture. I mean, Caesar Augustus, you know, you would think that he's this all-powerful character, but really he's not. Caesar Augustus, the things that he's commanding, the things he's ordering are only fulfilling things that God has already designed to take place hundreds of years beforehand. It's an amazing thing that when people might've read the story and opened up to Luke chapter two and they heard that name Caesar Augustus, they thought, okay, well, this is surely the most important character in the pages that will follow. But I'm gonna tell you that Caesar Augustus, for all of his power and all of his might and all of his reputation, who really knows who that is? Who knows who Caesar Augustus is today in 2020? Now, people have more of a sense who Jesus Christ is because he's really the hero. He's the star of this show tonight. And it's interesting who the star of the show chooses to be the people to announce his coming. I mean, we have this, this carpenter, we have this teenage girl, and the setting isn't where you'd expect a king to be born. It's not a setting where you'd expect where the most important person who'd ever enter into history would be found He's found in this likely cave, this manger where animals are. But the story gets even more interesting. It says in verse 8, it says, at the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And there will be this, and this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying glory to God in the highest goodwill toward men. This is an amazing setting. This is an amazing scene. The Bible says as it transitions from this, this manger with this, with this hardworking carpenter and this, this, this new mom, that there's these shepherds out in the field. And, and shepherds, I mean, these are also hardworking people. These aren't the priests. These aren't the religious leaders of the day. These are just men doing their job, keeping watch over the flock by night. You know, they, they're on the night shift out there. And you know who appears to these hardworking people, these working class people, these regular everyday people? Angels do. And this is just how God moves so much in the Bible is that God is interested in meeting everyone anywhere that they are open to receiving Him. God is interested in meeting anyone anywhere if they are interested and open to receiving Him. In fact, God says, God sends an angel. I mean, God's not reserving the angels for, oh, well, I'm going to send the angels only to the, the, to the priests or to the religious leaders, but to people that have these open hearts. And that's what these shepherds had. These shepherds wouldn't have been like the most respected people in society, but the message of Jesus Christ is literally for everyone and anyone. The Bible says that these shepherds, when they saw this angel, they freaked out. I mean, they responded with great fear and the angel had to tell them to, to calm down. And he said, I bring to you good news. And that's really the message of Christmas. That, that is the message I want you to know that this is the best news that has ever come, that we have a savior. And I love verse 11. The angel really wants these shepherds to know that, listen, even if people look down on you for being a shepherd, even if people don't respect you for being a shepherd, it says in verse 11, unto you, is born this day in the city of David. It's something that these shepherds, that this is a message that's being brought to their attention. And I want to know you to know that that same attention that the angels wanted the shepherds to realize is attention I want you to realize as well. That Jesus was born, that he became man for you. There's not a single person in this church, not a single person online, That wasn't in Jesus' mind when he said, I will leave the throne room of heaven, I'll come down to earth, I'm coming because of, and your name is in his mind. There's not a single one of us, and that's why that that line, that Christmas song, it says that the soul felt its worth. Think about your worth. What do you turn back for? You know, if you forget something, if if you were at the store or you're Christmas shopping and and there was something that, that you missed the list. Some things you're like, oh, you know what? I missed that. It, it didn't make the list. You know, It's gonna have to wait till after Christmas. But then there's those some things that you're like, you know what? That is an essential. I cannot leave. I have to get out of the car. I have to go back for it. It is essential. It's worth me going on that extra trip. And the Bible says that Jesus loved the world. The Bible says that all of us in this room, that we were worth the trip from heaven to earth, that's why he came. He came for all of us. There's not a single person in this room, not a single person online that Jesus doesn't love and wants to make a difference in. The soul feels its worth when you realize that Jesus came for you personally. We have big problems here on earth. We have disease, we have death, we have heartache, we have depression, we have financial insecurity, and look what God brings. Look, look, look what is sent on Christmas Day. He tells the, the shepherds, unto you this day I'm sending, until, is born in the city of David, listen, a Savior who is Christ, who is the Lord. I mean, there's these three powerful titles. And the first word, he says, you know what? I'm sending you, I'm sending you what you need. I'm sending you what you maybe have been even afraid to acknowledge. I'm sending you a savior. I'm sending you someone who's ready to rescue you. I'm sending actually the Christ, which means that if you know Jewish shepherd, there's this this scripture and there's hundreds of prophecies about Jesus for him to be the Messiah. This separates Jesus from any other religious leader who's ever lived because I can open up my Bible, I can open up to Psalm 22 and find out hundreds of years before Jesus is born that it is said that this Savior is going to be killed by having his hands and feet pierced. I can find in the Old Testament that his family is going to be from the family line of David. I can find from the Old Testament that he's going to be born in this obscure town, Bethlehem. All these promises are fulfilled in this person, this title that we call Christ. The Bible says that God has sent a Savior. And this isn't just some random Savior, this this politician or this military leader or a really good preacher. He's sending the Christ, the Messiah, the main character that the whole Old Testament has been foreshadowing and and kind of hinting at. This is who he has sent. And in case you don't even fully realize what it means, the Bible says this Christ is actually the Lord. That God sent his one and only son. That it wasn't angels that he sent to rescue us. It wasn't a prophet, but, but the Bible says the word became flesh. Think about the value you have. Think about the worth that you have that God himself came down. And he came down in the form that we would not expect, the form of a baby. It says that the angels tell these shepherds, this will be a sign to you, you'll find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This amazing scene, and, and angels start worshiping and, and declaring that, that this is a good thing, that this is peace on earth. That's what Jesus brings the promise of. Because all of us, all of us, we have a separation problem. You know, we're separated from the God who made us and loved us and Jesus has come to bridge that gap. You know, Jesus enters into humanity. He lives a life I couldn't live. And he dies later. That, that baby would grow up. He would preach messages that no one has ever preached anything like. He would talk about love in a way that no one has ever talked about. And he wouldn't just say it. He would also live it out and they crucified him and they killed that one. But listen, Jesus wasn't defeated on the cross because we know that three days later he rose from the dead. This is a savior. This is the Messiah. This is none other than the Lord, and he is the one that brings peace on earth because we can have peace with God. It says in verse 15 that the angels went away into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, well, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I love the attitudes of the shepherds because they say after experiencing an encounter with God, they say, let's just go for it. Let's go see. Let's, Let's take God at his word and let's take a step of faith. I would really pray that all of us in this room that we would be like those shepherds that this is God's word. God has so many promises, things that he's telling us that he's never gonna leave us. He's never gonna forsake us. He's gonna give you the power to love and forgive. I would pray that we would be like these shepherds and say, let's go step out in faith. God said it's so, so I believe it's so. The shepherds said, "Let's go to Bethlehem, let's see what the Lord has made known to us." And they went with haste; they found Mary and Joseph, and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. These shepherds had an encounter and. What these shepherds did is they told everyone about that simple message that they had. They heard the message of God. They responded to the message of God. They saw it was true. And then they told everyone about it. And it was something that they told it said that it even made an impact upon Mary. You know, sometimes we think about Mary and Joseph. We think, oh, you know what? There's Mary and and she's this highly respected figure, which we should respect her, you know. She was faithful, she pointed people to Jesus every time in the Bible. She was always pointing to people saying, listen to my son. But this Mary, who we regard highly and we should, it says that she was thinking about, pondering in her heart, a message that was shared by shepherds. I mean, do you think that, you know, years later when people would realize, wow, this is like Mary and she'd be, you know, the mother of Jesus, she's gonna be in the Bible. And you know who ministered to Mary? Shepherds did. You know who made Mary think, I just can't stop thinking about that message. Oh, you know, what message was it? Was it some prophet, Mary? Was it, was it something? Well, it was actually something I heard from a shepherd once. I mean, you think about that. That's the kind of God that we serve, that he is visiting shepherds in the field. He's revealing himself to them, saying, listen, this Savior is for you too. You know, there's there's a King Herod and he's building the biggest buildings, the tallest towers, but his heart is far from me. But I'm willing to visit you, shepherds out in the field. People may have forgotten all about you, but I haven't. People may not fully understand your hurts, but I haven't. I haven't forgotten that. I'm not unaware. Jesus is a savior. He's Christ. He's Lord. And the Bible says that he's born in Bethlehem today. I love that expression today because it means that the waiting is over. I love that expression today that means that we're, we're not looking forward anymore because Jesus has come, he's born, salvation, it all is coming through Jesus today. In fact, Luke loves this word today so many times that this word today is used 11 times in the Gospel of Luke Nine times in the book of Acts is Luke, it's one of his favorite phrases he uses, today, today, today. Later, when Jesus is an older man, it says in Luke 4.21, Jesus got up to preach. He got up, he walked up like I walked up. He opened the Bible, he read from the scripture, and he said in Luke 4.21, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So scriptures that talked about the Messiah, scriptures that talked about the Lord being there in in power, Jesus said today the scriptures are fulfilled. One of the last passages that Jesus speaks in the Gospel of Luke, one of my favorites, Luke 23, 43, two thieves, one thief mocks, one thief trusts him, and Jesus looks at that thief and says, today you will be with me in paradise. Listen, we have a God who's ready to work in your life today. He was ready 2,000 years ago. He met those shepherds. He says, listen, guys, today salvation has come. Listen, today God loves you. Today he, he has demonstrated his love. We share that verse all the time. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his own love to us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But before he could die for us on a cross, he had to choose to leave his comfort of his home, fellowship with the Father, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He left all that behind on a rescue mission for you and for me. I love that that is who Jesus is. And so if you are disappointed this Christmas season, if you are hurt this Christmas season, if you have anger or frustration this Christmas season, listen, Jesus is ready to be your savior today. He is the Messiah who's fulfilled hundreds of prophecies today. He's the Lord of life today. And he's willing and able to move your heart in ways that you didn't know could be moved. Sometimes we get upset with others. We close ourselves off to them. We get upset at God and we say, God, you've let me down. Uh, We're not on speaking terms. But Jesus is so powerful that he can overcome those barriers and those boundaries. And he's ready to actually do that today. You might remember, as I close, the story that maybe some of you have heard and some of you know that hundred over a hundred years ago, 1914, the world was in chaos, kind of like it is in chaos now. But sadly, it was chaos of war. World War I was going on, and a lot of you have heard the story that it was on Christmas Eve in World War I that remarkable things happened. In fact, armies decided to put down their guns on Christmas Eve. They decided to get out of the trenches and they decided to greet one another. We have letters that soldiers who were there those nights wrote about what they saw and what they experienced and how they couldn't quite understand the power of what happened around them. One soldier's letter said, as he wrote home to his family, he said, we, have the most, we had the most extraordinary Christmas day imaginable. A sort of unarranged and unauthorized but perfectly understood truce exists between us and our friends in the front. The funny thing is that it only seems to exist here as there's fighting as far away on the right and as far as I could hear on the left. A bitter cold night is tonight with white frost." But there the Germans started shouting at us, Merry Christmas, Englishmen, across the trenches. Of course, our fellows shouted back to them and large numbers on both sides left their trenches unarmed and they met there shot riddled in no man's land between the land between the lines. Another soldier said, and another place along the front line said, we ended up singing Auld Lang Syne, There they were, English and Scots, Irish and Germans. We all joined in. It was absolutely astounding. And if I had not seen it, and if I had seen it in a movie film, I would have thought it was all faked. These were men who were there at the time. And they said that there was something powerful, something indescribable about Christmas Eve that these men who were locked in combat to the death, they were shooting and bombing and, and shelling one another just hours ago. They yelled out, Merry Christmas, Englishmen. And they were willing to get out of the trenches, lay down their guns, and to, to gather together. Listen, maybe for some of us, we have people that we've had a hard time loving. For some of us, we're, we've been entrenched We're we're comfortable picking up our gun and picking up our arms. But listen, Jesus Christ today wants us to put down those arms. Jesus Christ uh, today wants us to mend those divisions that might exist because Jesus Christ has come to mend the biggest division that has ever existed between you and God. And if he can mend the division, the separation between you and God, there's not a division here on earth that God cannot work in. So listen, it is 2020, it's been a rough year, but I know that Jesus Christ, his power, the the story of his birth, it eclipses all the pain that has been experienced this year. Doesn't make it that pain not real, doesn't make that pain not powerful, but Jesus Christ is bigger than it all. He's ready to heal, he's ready to help, and he's ready to encourage you to leave your trench and to come out and to make peace on this night of peace. Lord, we thank you so much for this day you've given us. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for unlikely heroes. Thank you for Joseph and Mary. Thank you for shepherds on a random hill, Lord. Lord, thank you for moving in the hearts of soldiers ready to to put down their weapons. Lord, help us to put down our weapons as well, put down our guard. Lord, help us to rejoice for all that Christmas night is, for Christmas Eve that you came, you didn't leave us, Lord. You came to rescue us. Lord, it is peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Help us to experience that with our families this evening. Help us to remember you are the reason for the season tomorrow. We give gifts only as the smallest reminder of the free gift of salvation you offered all. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we're excited and glad you're a God that works today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.